But she wasn't as mean and she wasn't as smart as Elliot. But I will say, like, he is the Sookie Stackhouse in the sense of, like, I guess his dick is just golden because everybody wants to jump on it. Like... Hello everyone, this is Alex. And this is M. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is the podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be talking about what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we're discussing the back half of sci-fi's fantasy series, The Magicians. Based on the popular new adult fantasy book trilogy, this series follows the struggles, danger, adventure, and growth of a group of friends at Breakbills University for magical pedagogy, as well as their magical friends. The Magicians wasn't perfect, but it left an indelible impression and quickly became a pop culture phenomenon. So what do we think made this series great? Stay tuned. everyone if you haven't listened to last week's episode pause right here and go take a listen if you are rejoining us welcome back and here's a refresher on some critical details of the magicians the series is classified in the fantasy genre it was created by sarah gamble and john mcnamara and based on the trilogy the magicians the magician king the magician king and the magician's land by lev grossman it was released from december 16th 2015 through April 1st, 2020, on the Sci-Fi Network for a total of five seasons and 65 episodes. The series stars Jason Ralph as Quentin Coldwater, our initial protagonist and a grad student at Break Bills, Stella Maeve as Julia Wicker, Quentin's best friend and a hedge witch, Olivia Taylor Dooley as Alice Quinn, another Break Bills student and a love interest of Quentin's, Hale Appleman as Elliot Vaugh. Um, he is a Breakbill student, Margot's best friend. Arjun Gupta as William Adiyoti, aka Penny. He's another Breakbill student and Quentin's roommate. He's a telepath, a traveler, and probably the most interesting person on the show. <laughs> Summer Bichot as Margot Hansen. Um, she's a Breakbill student formerly known as Janet in the novels, and she is Elliot's best friend. Jake Worthy as Henry Fogg, Dean of Breakbills. Jay Taylor as Katie Orloff-Diaz, a Breakbills student who eventually leaves the school and a friend of Julia's. David Call as Pete, uh, one of Julia's recruiters into the Hedgewitch world and Katie's lieutenant starting season four. Esme Bianco as uh, Julia 
Chatwin, aka Eliza, a fillery and further character who guides Quentin into this other realm of magic. Anne Dudek as Pearl Sunderland, a teacher at Break Bills and Penny's mentor. And last but not least, Casey Rawl as Marina Andrieski, current Hedgewitch, former Break Bills student who was expelled prior to graduation and uh, who is on frenemy terms with Katie and Julia. So let's get into it. Season three, 13 episodes, and season two had already thrown us for a major loop. But yeah, so where we last left off, season in season two, magic uh, at the end of season two, magic has been completely shut off. So there is like no more magic. Fillory doesn't have magic. Uh, the earth does not have magic. And it's all due to the kids, not accidentally, but they they killed... Um, they killed like the the god of Fillory, and therefore, by killing the god of Fillory, um, the the sort of larger, older gods came and, and took their magic away. Um, so now, and the only person that does have magic are the gods and uh, Julia, who has now like godlike powers after surviving her whole ordeal. Um, which, okay, fine. Um, so now the everybody is sort of on this quest uh, to figure out essentially how can we get back magic. Elliot is sending, you know, bunnies. They communicate with her. Elliot communicates with the kids on Earth via bunnies, which is weird. Um, but I, I also think it's kind of whimsical and funny. So I, I don't mind it. Uh, so Elliot uh, can is communicating with the kids via bunnies and they are also communicating back with bunnies and everyone's trying to figure out how do we get um, magic back? Because the only people who have magic left are like actual magical beings. So like the fairy, like, so if you're like inherently like magical, so if you're a fairy or a vampire or a God or a demigod, um, or like a werewolf, like you're, you still have magic because you are inherently magical, but magicians, how they draw magic from the earth and manipulate it, all of that is gone. Right. Which is an interesting perspective because every other type of series, franchise, book series, television show, what have you, always implies that a witch's power comes naturally to them, Right. Like right. even if if even if you never have any formal training, your magic is inherent to you. Harry Potter does this. The TVD world does this. Um, the magician stands out in the sense that, first of all, you have to believe that magic even exists <laughs> to take the entrance exam to break bills when you're already grown as hell, right? Uh-huh. And then if you have a modicum of talent, you might get in. If you don't get in and you don't get recruited by a hedge witch, you can just go about your whole non-magical mediocre life. <laughs> right. So this idea that witches are not inherently magical is a very interesting one. I don't know if I like it, but it's an interesting one. <laughs> right. I do like there is some variation on that. This idea that like like it's about your belief in it versus I think the tradition, which is just like you, you're, you are, you're, you have a talent, you somehow understand the earth in a different way and, and you draw power from it and thus manipulate the elements. 
Right. So the show makes it clear that being magical or being a witch is uh, a matter of having belief and then cultivating skill. Um, right. So it's it's something that's practiced more or less almost like a religion. You have to have faith and then you have to get as much knowledge as you possibly can, um, which is interesting. Like I said, I'm not sure if I like it, but I, I, I do think it's a, it's an interesting take to explore. And I guess that's what they're doing in this season, right? They're exploring like what it is when you have the necessary uh, criteria, but you're not inherently magical. So sucks to be you. <laughs> and then also like, I think it's, they are sort of touching back on that faith question. It's like, you know, um, they have to believe that somehow they can get magic back because it's gone. <laughs> it's right. And I mean, I guess it's easy to have faith in something that you have at least seen and experienced once before. Right. Mm-hmm. It can't be that hard to just recall something that you've already done and already lived, but mm-hmm. apparently it's really hard for them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, I think, I actually really love that the turn this season. I and I remember on the watch and on my rewatch, I loved this turn because I really liked the idea of um I liked the idea of who are you when your superpowers are gone? And then who are you and then like do you still believe what is that feeling like to have something that precious to you taken away? Like how do you deal? Cause it's yeah, I definitely like the latter uh, implication because, like, I feel like if you are so used to magic by this point, um, it would almost be like someone cutting off one of your fingers, right? Maybe not taking away your whole hand, but things have changed. <laughs> right, things things have changed in a serious way. So this first episode is really just everybody adjusting to the new reality, and a lot of people are not taking it well. I mean, we see one of the teachers from Break Bills, like, on the roof ready to kill herself. Which is a very intense reaction to have. But also, I want to recall Marina. What do you think that the kids you expel go through when y'all do this? Right, that's right. And they're they're able to retain their memories or retain enough to know that this existed. Like Julia, like this, the the desperation and the tragedy uh, feels really real and lived in. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's your identity at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm this teacher was also a break bill student at one point. And, you know, they're like, what, 40? That's half your lifetime you've spent in a definitive way, in a manner that you will enjoy. And now it's being taken from you. By the end of the episode, our Scooby gang discovers a book that... Um, and I will say, to, to the show's credit, the book only... It's the book isn't complete, but every time they complete something that's like halfway correct, the book, uh, more pages of the book are revealed. But the book is essentially how to turn back, how to turn, how to get magic back on. Which seems like an oxymoron to me because the book teaches you magical things to do to get magic back, but you needed magic to to utilize the book, right? Well, right? I think they 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 figure out the first part of it by themselves, and then the book then fills it in, and then fills in a little bit more. So it's like you have to have like you know. So it's back to this belief part. Like you have to have be- you have to believe that it can be rectified, right, for it to reveal itself to you. 
It's giving chicken and egg, but I do like the idea of the book. If I don't think about it, like overthink it too much, it's actually a very fun, ingenious idea. It's like an adult Easter egg hunt. Meanwhile, Penny has like literally died, and he works for the library now because he to cause to help them. The library is like sort of this like fact, like they're kind of fascist, definitely fascist leaning entity but they contain all of like the magical knowledge in the in the multiverse I should say. They they sent Penny to like a place to to get the to get something that they needed and so now Penny's dying and like he dies for them. Once again, I just ugh, I hate that. That's mm-hmm. it's not giving what y'all think it's giving. Yeah. It's not you ever notice on these shows when brown and black people sacrifice themselves for their friends and the show finds a way of bringing them or their ghost back, their primary agenda is still helping that friend group and not, I like, I don't know, enjoying the afterlife? Yes! <laughs> the and hell? that's exactly what happens. Like, I'm dead. I've done everything I can for y'all. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly what happens. So, like... Granted, I mean, Katie finds this, like, weird magical demon creature to, like, help Penny. By the time that she finds finds this magical creature or whatever, it's too late. Like, he's too sick. He dies anyway. But, like, he... But it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> it's It's literally... But, I mean, one of the biggest things I took away from it is it was, like, it was legitimately the Bonnie Bennett plot when they kill Bonnie. Because, like... Penny's right. dead. She has to like talk through Jeremy. Yeah, it's horrible. And but and it's and it's the same thing here. Um, Penny's dead. His body is dead. But he's like astral projected out of his body at the last minute. So now he's just like a he's on the astral plane. But it's like worse because he can't like talk to anybody and communicate through anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just wandering. And I'm like, this is not the thing you think it is. Like, baby, the way I would have just hopped in my body and let myself die a true death. <laughs> right? Like, let myself have some peace. It ain't worth it. It's really not. And the fact that Katie is the one, like, really going hard, it really is the Bonnie Bennett plot. Um, <laughs> it is. It's the Bonnie Bennett plot. Because literally anytime Bonnie would end up dead, which was more often than not, Damon was always the one who's, like, gung-ho. Like, we have to help Bonnie. Right? We have to get her. She's done so much for us. Not- and not even Damon. Like, Damon, maybe in those last seasons, it was Jeremy before Jeremy left. Right, right, right. It was it was always just that one person in the group on the fringes. And the same thing happens here. Katie's the only one that's like, we should probably help Penny. Like, we need to find a way to help Penny. <laughs> yeah, and everybody else is like, fuck Penny. Like, what the fuck does Penny mean? Like... Who cares? Like, I know he did all this great stuff for us, but what are we? What can we do? Like they be doing cartwheels to save the basic white woman, but then when their POC friend gets got, it's like, well, I tried this one thing, and that's basically everything. So, <laughs> listen, when Alice is like a niffin, when Alice is in the previous season, when Alice is like a yeah. niffin, it's everybody. It's like, how can we save Alice? Like you right. know, Quentin goes to everybody. He's like, we ha- we owe this to Alice. Like. Right. That and white she, woman is in trouble. You got to save her. It's a mess. It's a mess. Um, I hate it. But here we are. It's exactly the Bonnie Bennett plot. This, I really hope that this was just 
a, an, another original thought that another white person had and that they didn't actually watch uh, TVD and think that this was inspiring. I really hope not. I hope they didn't lift this from that because it's not, it's, it's just not giving what you think it's giving. Um, it's not the move at all. So yeah, so basically nobody has magic. Everybody has, until we meet one rich family that mysteriously, of magicians, that mysteriously has magic, even though everybody else has um, has lost it and is living without it. And this is, and so begins my least favorite plot of the entire series. And I, that I hate so much. I literally cannot talk enough about how much I hate it. And the, the plot is essentially the, you know, the fairies that we talked about from Fillory. Like apparently the, the fairies are slate, like (laughs) the fairies are slaves. So I had this conversation with you in private, and then I had it on last week's episode. Apparently it's going to keep bearing repeating. Why are we bringing literally every system of oppression into a world that you are creating? You're world building and still can't imagine a world without racism, without colorism, without tokenism, and without slavery. And then not only just slavery, but it's like, you can't even write your... POC characters. Like, are you really trying to, like, make some comment about, like, slavery, like, and how bad it was? Like, this is We're dumb. We're believe that Margot and Elliot, um, are, uh, Margot and Penny, are treated exactly the way that the rest of the group is. That's why we are we are supposed to feel bad for the fairies being slaves, because we're going to pretend that the, the, the active, um you know, peripheral racism of the way that these characters are treated is not a thing. Right. I'm made all the dumber by this plot because I can see the, the like, the the racially biased writing with the Margot and Penny characters. And then now you're like, isn't slavery bad, y'all? Like, what? It's very disheartening. Um... And I mean, Harry Potter did this too, which is why I'm like, there's too many inspirations on the show. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but the inspirations were problematic in and of themselves. I see the TVD references. Now I'm seeing the Harry Potter references with how the house elves were like slaves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, Harry Potter's race issue was a lot more benign than the magician's issue. I'll give it that because we had all these POC as like, not even supporting characters, but peripheral characters, right? So we could imagine that they were treated equally to our protagonist and his best friends. We can't suspend that logic in The Magicians. I don't know that you can... Sus- I don't know. I mean, uh, it's not... I, I will say that, like, in Harry Potter, I can't suspend it either because, like, they're... The, it, like, in the in Harry Potter, they also feel really tokeny. Um, they feel just as tokeny as, like, they do here in The Magicians. To me, at least. But I but I think I understand what you're saying. Because yeah. they are, like, literally all, like, in the background, we can imagine that, like, they're living lives outside of this main story that's happening with Harry and his friends. Right. That's exactly why, for me, they don't necessarily feel tokeny because they're not even a part of the story enough to be tokens. But, like, I mean, but I feel like, but I feel like, um... 
when a story does that, when they're like, hey, here is a black person. That to me, that's just as tokeny. Like that, that yeah, here's it, a black person, here's an Asian person, Asian here's whatever. Yeah. Like we're not gonna say anything about them, but like here they are. Don't worry. Like that feels now, like is now if you want to argue that there are levels to tokenism, sure. Like maybe, maybe that's a conversation I will engage in, but um, and maybe it's a level of tokenism, but to me, it, it's still token. It's mm. just on a, maybe it's on a different level. I guess for me, it just felt, I don't know, maybe realistic because the show, the the show, the books focus on just Harry, Hermione, and Ron primarily, right? And the people that are attached to them. And it feels real that a white boy, especially of that age, would only have casual acquaintances with people of color. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess I can buy that argument, but I mean, and I mean, I, I can buy that argument, but I would, I will say ultimately the fact that we have to sit here and debate that is like, is, is, is enough of, <laughs> right. It's ridiculous. It's within of itself. Yes. It is. Deeply <laughs> like, like, like this is dumb. Right. And then J.K. Rowling does go out of her way during like the Quidditch Cups to show you that there are other magical universities, which I appreciate. But the most talk we ever got about witches of color was when we were talking about those other schools in other countries or other continents, which is also problematic. Um, Like like I said, it is problematic. It's never going to stop being problematic. But when you have a context like Harry Potter, where our protagonist and his supporting uh, cast, his BFFs, aren't Black, maybe you have room to talk about slavery. You don't have room to talk about slavery when you have principal cast characters who are treated like garbage <laughs> on a regular basis, and then you want to talk about some slavery. <laughs> right, you're like, oh my God, the fairies are slaves, y'all. <laughs> like, Okay. Thank you. And what is it with people wanting fairies to be slaves? That's another thing. Like, that's literally the whole premise that fairies are slaves and indentured servants and, like, colonized and genocided people on that um, Amazon Prime show, Carnival Row. (laughs) They're more powerful than humans, but they're somehow enslaved? I don't get it. It's giving me slavery as a choice, which I don't like. (laughs) Right? Which I do not like. I don't fuck with that shit at all. Meanwhile, in Fillory, Margot's getting married to like sort of help fix some situations in Fillory while while these guys are finding the keys mm-hmm. and such. Oh, we we haven't forgotten uh in the episode op- in the season opening we find out that like Margot's false eye, she lost an eye has a false eye is actually being used to spy on them by the fairy queen. That was an interesting turn. That was a cool turn. Like I liked that. That was cool. They, so so yeah. So then this key thing happens. We're finding these keys, and there's all sorts of wacky things that happen as we're finding these keys. But we do find all the keys. The keys open up to like a different world, like an anti-fillery, I guess, castle in some way. And in this like anti upside down Fillory Castle place, th- like that's where you can turn on back on like I guess the spring to turn magic back on. And so when we get to all the key, so then when everybody 
finds all the keys and we get to the key place, Alice uh, takes it upon herself to destroy the keys. <laughs> Cause she says that nobody should have magic cause magic is bad. Um, sweetie, that's not your decision to make for everybody. Right? Like, her whole thing is, is like, magic just makes, like, everybody different shades of bad. And I'm like, okay. And she's, I guess, talking about herself, because, like, she was so obsessed with magic, she, like, destroyed and hurt a bunch of people. And so she, she destroys the keys. Julia, who by now is, like, a true blue... A certified god comes through and uh, leaves her little god realm and comes through and like uh, remakes all the keys, thereby like but in the process wasting all of her god powers. The fact that her god powers are finite is sending me. <laughs> <laughs> we have um, been gods for hundreds and thousands of years, but like, like my shit is it has like. Uh, like uh, uh, it has like a an, an end it can be like car fuel in a car like how do i refuel it she remakes the keys and then they turn back on the magic well thing but then uh the dean and the the white lady who's enslaving these fairies and somebody from the library all come and like fuck up their shit because the whole thing is is that Alice wasn't really supposed to destroy the keys. She was supposed to put on this little doohickey on on the magic well that would siphon magic from the world and where so most so that like we would have ma- so that the world gets magic again, but it doesn't get like a lot of it. It doesn't have just like unlimited magic like it used to. Um, in fact, the the, the the unlimited magic is going towards is all going to the library for the library to control essentially. And um, the library can then deal out magic for people who have been um, deemed worthy of having magic dealt out to them. So like to, they are in charge of rationing magic to the, the world. Right. Back to Alice real quick. Literally only she could have gotten away with doing something like this. Now, I don't quote scripture often, but the Bible says, if thine eye doth offend thee, pluck it out. It didn't say pluck other people's eyes out. <laughs> like, what the heck? And literally, again, only she could have gotten away with doing something like this. They would have faulted Marina. They would have faulted Julia. They definitely would have faulted Margot or Penny or the Beast for making such a decision on everyone's behalf. Yeah, like, and listen, like, they're not happy with her about it. Like, she she gets locked up in magic jail in the library. <laughs> a mess. And honestly, I feel like that was getting off lightly, to be honest. I mean, it was like she she breaks down and and it's a whole thing, but um, but that's season three. But some things that happen in season three that that like we'll, we'll touch on a little bit. There are new pe- new people. You know how I feel about new people. I don't like them. Right, Josh. You know, another white man to add to the cast because you know we didn't have enough white people on this show, particularly after Penny is dead. Uh, yeah. So. 
there's Josh, and he is, like, apparently... There's, like, a legend about, like, this class that went to Fillory, and somehow, like, they never came back. Um, and he is... And Josh is part of that class, like, of Breakbill students uh, that just was never seen again after they disappeared um, to Fillory and never came back. Uh, and he... And I guess they find him, and he's been, like, living in... He's been living in the Netherlands, um, which is like the sort of halfway world between all the other worlds, uh, you know, just trying to survive. And we meet him and he is he's unremarkable to me. Let's discuss the uh, irresponsibility of the break bills faculty. You have an entire class missing. And not only did you never find them, assuming you even looked for them, you keep enrolling new students. Yeah, well, like the whole, th- well, I mean, at the beginning of the series, they're like, if bad shit happens to you, it's on you. You sign a waiver. I mean, it's one, see, it's just one of those things that I don't, the show just doesn't care. It's it's not thinking it through like that. They, they, yeah, it clearly doesn't care. And again, The Magicians is a really, really, really great show. And it always brings up really interesting uh, themes. If you're not thinking it out too hard i would strongly suggest if you haven't watched magicians go ahead and binge watch it don't don't let any time really lapse (laughs) yeah you can't you can't think about it too deep yeah don't Don't, let that sink in you gotta just enjoy all the stuff that happens um and some more stuff that happens in season three is i want to specifically touch on is this episode a life in the day and it's it's meaningful because the whole thing is is that, like, this is an episode that the fandom I know, like, really loves and is, like, really into and, like, they take very seriously because um, the whole episode is essentially Quentin and Elliot uh, go back in time in Fillory. So, if that makes sense, <laughs> like, they they go to, like, a past date, not current day Fillory where there's no magic, but they go to, like, a past like, back in time in Philly, back when there was magic, uh, to help find, to, and they do it to find one of the keys. Because they, the, you know, the magic book tells them that the mosaic in Philly contains one of the, the magic keys. So, the whole thing is, is that uh, they have to solve the mosaic in order to find the meaning of life and once they find solve the mosaic and uh the meaning of life then like the key will appear to them that's what happens the whole thing so they're they're living in the past in fillery right so the whole essentially they live an entire lifetime in fillery trying to solve this mosaic and it's really important to a lot of the fans because it's like basically it's like um all of like Quentin and Elliot's like sort of queer stuff like on display and like this really cute montage and um because that's what it is it is essentially a montage like Quentin Quentin and Elliot are trying to solve this are solving this mosaic every day every day they get up and do like a different mosaic and as they're doing these different mosaics, you know, 
uh, they hook up a couple of times, but, and then, like, there's this farmer girl that comes along and, like, she starts living with them and, like, Quentin has, like, a baby by her. And then, like, she is, like, her, they're all, like, in some sort of thruple situation. And, uh, you know, but then, like, they raise, like, a whole child together, like, all three of them. And it's just, like, all the sort of, like, fan servicey girly things that the kids love yes um i'm not usually a fan of people just of shows doing things to appease their fans but i actually don't think that this is what this was it was it was actually very poignant and very well thought out i would say yeah you know same i'm actually not a fan of stuff like this either like not in particular uh I have to be, like, really attached to it in some way. But I did... I liked it. I liked it. And I liked, um... I liked the idea uh, that the real key to solving the mosaic was to, like, live a full life in front of the mosaic, which happened. And um, I did think it was, like, a sweet way to sort of further this idea and to also lean into the idea of Quentin's queerness that he's not like totally straight right because we've already explored this before when he cheated on Alice with two people um (laughs) but like it's not just a a sexual inclination he's also has he can also have like romantic feelings for men Um, right and and Elliot specifically and furthering this Quentin Elliot relationship I don't know what it is about Elliot that got um, everybody like this. Like, his friends go hard for him. His lovers go hard for him. I don't understand it, really. Neither do I, because Elliot is not a nice person. (laughs) Nah, he's not. Um, He's really mean. I don't get it. Um, I don't think that I want to truly understand it. I think it's deeply problematic. But this episode really feels like one of the most well-thought-out episodes and themes in the magicians at least up until this point oh so yeah um that's yeah that's season three i would say like so i mean one more thing to like put on this this elliot quentin relationship is that there is like one there's a thing i think and i think it is that they like towards the end of this season um elliot yeah it is towards the end of the season uh, Quentin somehow ends up back in Fillory, in present-day Fillory with Elliot, and he sort of, Quentin puts himself out there and, and asks, like, essentially to be his boyfriend, and Elliot is like, go fuck yourself. Mm. Which is we, rough. <laughs> we hate it so much. Which, once again, why are you, why is, why is everyone going up for Elliot like this? And we already knew Elliot was for the streets, too, so... That's what I'm saying. Elliot really is for the streets. We know he's not a one-man man. Like, we, you already knew that, Quentin. You thought you would be different. But he's treating you just like all these other hoes, so... Just like all these other girls, honey. Like, so where, so where, where, where are you now? But, um, but yeah, and that's, but that's season three. Uh, so season... Three, good, bad, or basic. I'm gonna give season three a solid good. I think season three is probably the most uh cohesive 
enjoyable minus the slave aspect of the magicians. What about you? Um, yeah, I think season three is good. I really like the way I like the way that the show does like their recaps of like everything that's happened so far. Mm-hmm. Um, they start using like Josh as a way to do that. And I think it's really effective. Um, and I, and I like it, uh, you know, the problems that are there are problems that persist, but I, but I do love this, you know, quest to find the seven magic keys and that the all, and that they all do, and that the magic keys all do like a different thing. And then together they turn on magic. Like I, that was, I enjoy all of the, the really, the plotting aspects of this season. Yeah, they really sat down and thought this through. They really did. Um, and, so- and we're talking about, like, the plotting, not, like, the ideas or any of the other shit that they're trying to do. <laughs> but, like, but the plots, yes. All right, just knowing where you're going in your story and making the audience feel like you're knowing where you're, you know where you're going counts for a lot. Yeah. Uh, so season four of The Magician... Uh, we ended the season with the monster possessing uh, Elliot and Alice being imprisoned in the library for what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we kind of have magic. It's like baby magic. It's being ratioed. It's, um, you know, it's giving emergency rations. <laughs> it's- yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's giving World War II sugar <laughs> rations. That's what it's giving. <laughs> And you know what happens when you're in a situation like that, where there's scarcity, um, violence is going to k- get kicked up a notch. And I think season four portrays this accurately. Right. Also, note, like, Penny, like, you know how Penny was dead? Like, he's still dead and, like, or, like, OG Penny was dead and he's uh, in the underworld now. They brought, like, a new Penny <laughs> from a different timeline <laughs> to replace old Penny. I cannot. Um, but I really wish y'all hadn't done my man like this. I know. My man did not deserve to go out like this. And then, like, apparently New Penny is, like, in love with Julia. So then, like, Katie thinks that it's Old Penny, but it's not Old Penny. It's just <laughs> a New Penny. I mean, thanks for trying. I know. I like, I'm like, it was giving, like, I hated this particular plot point because it felt like they understood that what they did was fucked up (laughs) right and they're like we can't just like not have penny on the show so let's just like bring him back even though we still don't know what to do with him so like what do we do with him oh i know we'll put him with a new white woman hate it um hate it yeah, it was definitely giving a, you know, a patch job, a band-aid to that situation. Well, see, here's the thing. I thought when, because there's like a scene where Penny talks to, where like Hades comes to talk to Penny. It's like, I think it's in the season, it's in the season three finale where Hades is like, okay, this is your lot. Like, this is what you've been dealt. And I promise you, if you accept that that you're here now and you're 
and you stop trying to figure out how to get back to Earth, you're going to find that what you do here is more interesting and more important than any of the shit you've ever done in your in than when you were living. And the fact that they specifically got, like, you know, Hades, like, the god, to talk to Penny, I thought it was going to be, like, cool. Like, I thought, like, I, th- once the- I hate this. I hate when, like, you tease cool shit and then you don't do the cool shit you tease. Like, that shit hurts me, honestly. That like, could so well too like right if, if he had been like uh one of hades's lieutenants yes that's what i thought that's really where i thought they were going that he was going to be one of hades's lieutenants that penny was going to end up becoming like a demigod and i was like that's fucking awesome and what do they it's do they're like you penny in you <laughs> right like you like i wanted to see like I was like, damn, like, Penny's gonna, like, be in charge of the underworld. He's gonna, like, have all these bad bitches, like, and be, like, a lieutenant and a demigod. This shit's about to really go off. And instead, they were like, but what if? And instead of all that cool shit, the writers were like, but what if he just fucked another white woman? (laughs) Right. Like, how about no? How about no? (laughs) Here's the thing. Keeping him dead and making him one of Hades' lieutenants would have definitely elevated the character even if he were kept in the role of being like a helper and an aide to the friend group it still would have elevated the role from what it was before it would have that would have it would have been a serve it would have been such a serve and instead they were like no (laughs) because we've been knew that that penny was powerful right he's a telepath he's a traveler you know, they tease in season one that even though he got he got put in the wrong discipline of being a psychic, that he has some psychic ability. He's very powerful. And even when he's sacrificing himself for his friends, we never get to see a peak of his power at full potential. Right. And like he's got this like bad attitude, you know, he's he's got like daddy issues and um he's got daddy issues. He's He's trying to essentially find his purpose, like, and come into, I think, his full power. That's definitely something that's driving him in that first season. And that would be nice to have, like, like this is, this was it. It didn't come out. And I think if they had gone that route, like, then you can sort of play with this idea of, like, how sometimes your destiny isn't what you think it is. Mm-hmm. Like, how life can some life can turn out just how sometimes life just does not turn out the way you think it's going to turn out and how like interesting and like exciting that can be. Um, but no, I swear I would have taken Hades up on his offer so quick. Like, like little Nas X tried to teach us if you're going to hell, take over. Right. And like, and they, and they do to an extent, like we eventually do see Penny again. We, we do see like OG Penny again, but it's not anywhere within the, in the capacity that like I thought it would be like, he's still just sort of this kind of dude moping around the underworld. And it's like, what? Right. You had a chance to be, to have real power, um, not just power, but real authority for the first time. And you were just like, nah. Honestly, I would have taken him up on his offer real quick. And if any of my supposed friends tried to call me back, I'm killing everybody. <laughs> I mean, me- and, Peace. and then that's the thing. They don't call him back. He just, it's, it like, it, this is a sole fault of, like, the writers. They just forget. Like, they don't even, 
it's like no one like they put like penny becomes like he does he becomes like he like he just accepts his sort of like lot like working in the underworld but then we literally don't hear from him ever again until i think at the very last minute in the very last season and it's like well and instead we're we're brought this new penny from the new timeline and i think they do it to essentially try to reset the friend group but it's like no you don't have to do that he could have you could have just kept going with the story that you you set up like why and once again this is a problem with the show in general it starts down on these roads and then it's like no that's um, it is um it's really upsetting season four season four is like like you like we said they're they're rationing magic and alice is locked up in a prison in the library for destroying the keys and and like like you said the scarcity breeds crime and that's what's happening along although they don't touch on that they kind of touch on that but like like we said the show isn't here for like any sort of social commentary even though they keep running into it head first with all the decisions that they make mm-hmm. where they're they're more concerned and obsessed with not obsessed but they're more concerned with this super scary demon villain that they had uh, hinted at in the last season. The, the, the Dean and the library cast spells on our Scooby gang to make them forget their real identities. Uh, but the monster recognizes all of our, our players for who they actually are. So now they have to get together and try to remember themselves and who they really are so they can see, so they can um, essentially defeat this monster. And of course, who comes to break the spell? <laughs> Marina. And that's where we are. We're, we're here with the, our Scooby gang trying to, to please this monster so that he doesn't devour everybody. What did you think of season four? Good, bad, or basic? Uh, I don't particularly like season four. I mean... Season four is basic to me. Um, I hate Margot with Josh. I there's a there's a thing that's happening in media right now where they take like re- crazy hot like women of color and put them with like really basic looking white men, and it's it's violence. Bob it's slavery. Anyways, um, what <laughs> I said, Bob Hart's Abishola. <laughs> Listen, it's violence. That one is particularly violent to me. I mean, at least Bob is wealthy and he don't have any kids. So, you know, no baggage from his previous relationships. But y'all. Um, Abishola couldn't get a, a wealthy Nigerian. Her husband is a wealthy Nigerian. Season four is like, it's so. Um, I'm trying to remember when do they kill Quentin? They kill Quentin this season. Yes. Yeah, that's the other. I was like, no, something big happens in season four. And this is it. Like Quentin dies. So, they kill Quentin. Between the Penny uh, storyline, the Josh character, and Quentin being killed, I can say my grade for season four is definitively bad. I have oh. no excuses. I can't make excuses for this. It's too much. Y'all are doing way too much. I can't do it, y'all. I can't. I can't. I can't. Who even is Josh? Why do we care about him? And did y'all just kill the protagonist? Are you serious? So, yeah. So we had talked about this a little, a lot, I think, in in, in the previous episode. But they, 
yeah, season four, there's an episode in season four called, I want to say it's the side effect. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm, you guys, I'm going to be real. I'm not sure what the, I, I really don't remember the episode, but it's, but the whole, but like I said, it's, it's when the show becomes hyper aware of itself. And the whole episode is about like, it's, um, it's somebody from the underworld, like narrating to old Penny. And they're like, why do you, th-? and, and I shit you not like, this is the dialogue. Like <laughs> this is pretty close to, to the dialogue or like the narrative device to tell like the episode. And it's like, you know, in, in stories, white men are always centered. <laughs> like it sounds like a Twitter thread. It does. Yeah. And, and it's that's the right episode. It is the side effect, which is episode seven. Okay, good. I I was like, I'm like, is it the side effect? And yeah, and like, so the whole episode of the side effect is basically, like I said, it it truly is the show having like a a pan like a white liberal panic, and it's literally like, why do we always choose to center white men's stories? And it's and it is it's Penny narrating to it's old Penny, um, from the underworld just talking to this random person and he's like you know you always have to consider like women's stories and why women don't get as much as as much attention as men and blah 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 and rah, 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 rah. and we should really care about women's stories because feminism <laughs> and basically every sort of like annoying not annoying but every like twitter thread that you've ever read ever that's the episode dear listeners it is this <laughs> It is this, this is when I knew that the show was like really going off the rails. Cause I was like, Oh God, like the show is essentially realizing that it's one super white two built all of its story vehicles around this like basic white man three uh, failed with people of color four failed with its female characters. And now we are going to have to sit here and pay the price. Cause they're about to do some really weird, dumb shit. Yeah, you already you already started the show centering this uh, cis queer white man. You need to accept the decision you made and do the best with you can with it. Like the decision's been made. This is you made the decision. You made the choice. You liked who you liked, unconscious bias and all, and now like you, (laughs) and so just live with that. Stand in that. Stand in your truth. (laughs) I don't even like the idea that unless we kill the white guy, we cannot give women and people of color the support and respect and, like, the complexity of writing that they require. Same. I don't like... I don't like that idea either. Like... Is he is is he is he's just so taxing as a character that you can't write a good story for anyone as long as he's around because that doesn't make sense to me. I agree. It's I really it's... weird. Um, uh, Quentin was never the problem. The writing was the problem. There are tons of dudes like Quentin out here every day, and they are being censored in that way. It was your the, the show's job to really be about what they're saying and try to center the women of color and the people of color in the same way. You made them take a back seat to Quentin. Quentin didn't do that. Right? That was all you. 
they, they basically punish the character for, for bad writing. <laughs> for, for their bad choices. And so thus you get, thus we get this, se- this season finale, right? Of mm-hmm. season four, which is like they kill Quentin. And, and, but not before they lean into this idea that like Quentin is basic, right? Because then in the next couple of episodes, Quentin finally discovers like his specialty because everybody has like a specialty as a magician, like naturally, like you have a natural talent for something. Mm-hmm. And they find out that his specialty is not like something grand, like Alice's or Katie's or um, Julia's. It's like he can mend small items. So like we- if you break a coffee cup, then like he's gonna he's can fix it really well. We never said he wasn't basic though. <laughs> so <laughs> um, right. But, like, no, literally, all jokes aside, Quentin didn't even ask to be centered. He met Alice, he thought she was hot, and then he got pulled into a rescue my brother scheme, right? He was at school trying to mind his own business, and then Jane Chatwin shows up and is like, you need to save Fillory. He didn't ask for this. Right, I'm like, you, and I think that's what's annoying. It's like, no, you guys were the ones that told him he was, like, the one in season one. Yeah, you were like the ones who were like, you have a great destiny to like defeat the thing. Like y'all made him the chosen one. Like this is not he his was, fault. He was literally just here for magic and vibes. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Y'all could have made Julia the chosen one. You didn't do that though. And it would have been actually a really, really great hand to play because the show shows us consistently, literally from the pilot, that there's something very wrong with Julia not getting to, into break bills, right? And then we later find out why that is. Right. Like, it was a setup. So if uh, Marina holding her back from getting into break bills literally just delayed her figuring out that she was the chosen one, that plot works. Right, that works. That's fine. Y'all could have made Penny the chosen one. You could have made and you could have made Marvel the chosen one. You could have done that with anybody. You chose Quentin. So now stand in your truth. Live in your truth. Right. Like if we if y'all made Julia the chosen one, if y'all made Julia the chosen one, and it turned out that uh that or Katie the chosen one, I'm good with either of those. And uh a Penny's a lieutenant in hell and he's like moving things and he's like He's he's making moves. I would have been happy with that. Same. I would have been happy with that. Instead, we instead they kill they kill Quentin, which makes no narrative sense to me. And in general, and and I remember when they and then when they kill Quentin, like that did not go over well <laughs> with the fandom because you know. Um, it didn't go over well with the fandom because he was one of the few queer like it's it's him and Elliot, right? Like they're the they're the queer characters. Yeah. And um it 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 ended up falling into like the sort of barrier gaze trope. Um it really did feel like that. And here's my thing. I thought the entire reason that the the Quentin character was portrayed the way that he was portrayed was because we were tired of dealing with cishet men, right? Or white cishet men. He doesn't have to be everything in order to be a valuable character, right? You don't um, have 
tick all of the intersection boxes <laughs> to be a valuable character. We know his his specialty is garbage and he's kind of basic, which is why his role in the group should have just simply been reduced. Oh, my bad, you guys, we messed up. Actually, uh, Julia's the chosen one and Marina messed that up for her. Better yet, Marina's the chosen one. That's how she was able to remember so much when she got expelled. Our bad. Quentin. Right. Your like, job is to assist this group. <laughs> right. There are other places. I think there were a lot of other places to pivot. Now, honestly, I know I'm going to be real. Like, I don't, as much as I didn't think the killing of Quentin made sense, like, I truly don't think it made sense. I'm also, I wasn't also, I, I also wasn't broken up about it either, mostly because I don't think that that show was ever going to develop the Elliot Quentin relationship to, to any sort of meaningful standard. Cause they hadn't done that with any of the relationships on the show, to be honest, the romantic relationships anyway. This is true. I had high hopes for about halfway into season two. And then I realized the romantic relationships only serve as a plot device. They're not here for any type of character development. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But here's the thing. I've been invested in Julia and Quentin from jump. And they've been through a lot together. And if it turned out that she was the chosen one and he was just here, he was just supposed to be here to help her along the way all along. I almost felt like that would have been a nice bookend for things. I agree with that. That would have been nice. But you know, just kill him. <laughs> just kill him. We're just killing him. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's the, the 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 decision that was made. A lot of other decisions could have been made, but they played Elliot, I mean, they played Quentin, and they played Penny this season in a major way that I deeply do not like. And like I said, this is the reason why season four is definitively bad for me. What's your grade? Um, I'm, I'm just gonna, I leave it at a basic. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So the very last season, this season was uh, went to post-production just in the nick of time because the series ended on April 1st of 2020, meaning that like they had wrapped up all the episodes before then. And I believe like the week the last episode aired was the same week that we went into lockdown, right, for COVID-19? Oh, yeah. Um. And I guess it's a good thing that this was already uh, announced as their last season as well. Uh, Penny and Julia are a thing. We, we, I never, I still don't understand that. Uh, everybody's grieving Quentin, which is interesting because nobody grieved old Penny. Mm. So, except for telling, Katie. Telling. It's telling. <laughs> it's very telling behavior. And, you know, you could say that, well, they did get Penny back, but they didn't know they were going to get him back when he died, though. Or a version of him back. They didn't know that when he died, when he initially kicked the bucket. Yeah, they didn't know that. He could have stayed dead. Um, so it's very telling. And and again, this is like a, a standover from the TVD days I see as well. Remember when like Bonnie died, when Bonnie's grandmother died, and she was supposed to be over it by the next episode. But Elena's grieving the uncle slash bio dad that she never even liked for like the next seven, eight episodes when Jeremy dies and she goes on a literal murder spree and it's okay because she's grieving. <laughs> Margot and Elliot are back, go back to Fillory in order to reclaim their thrones because they were deposed in the last season. Um, and 
they they are going to find this person called like the Night King or whatever, who is now like in charge of Fillory. And they're gonna go, you know, suss him out, kill him, and like reclaim their throne. Why? Why not just go back to Earth? Nobody knows. I do not know the answers to these questions. Right. There's a lot of whys in this show, and I just stopped asking questions, and it made it a more enjoyable viewing experience for me. Same. Hard same. Um, once you just kind of let, once you just like, oh, this is happening, it's, it's okay. It's fine. So, we're, so the whole thing of this season is that, honestly, I really don't know what's going on in the fifth season. <laughs> And I've seen it twice. It's very confusing. And I think part of that is like almost, I don't want to say PTSD, but um, um, I would say uh, maybe a PTAS, a post-traumatic audience syndrome <laughs> from what happened to Quentin. <laughs> I mean... I feel like that's real. Um, I don't know. There's no... It's hard, because it's like... So going... I know going in, they knew that this was their last season. But it feels like there's no, like, real plan. I mean, I think it's... I think that's just the striking thing about it, is that, like, there seemed to be, like, a real plan for the first four seasons, and this fifth season is just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Um, this season, the entire season feels like filler to me. Yes, it does. It really does. And that's because I watched this season as it aired as well. Mm-hmm. And I watched it on Netflix and then I watched it again for this rewatch. And it does feel like filler each time now that I viewed it. Season five. Mm-hmm. It just feels like they're like, I don't know. I guess we got to make a f- just do things until you- we... <laughs> Ended it at season four. You did just kill the protagonist, so I understand. Right. Season four feel there season four, that could have been a fine series finale. It would have been um people would have still found it unsatisfying, but I think it does something dramatic enough. Uh and I think you make a big enough quote unquote statement by killing Quentin that like it can serve as one. Mm-hmm. But um, season five, yeah, season five, I just don't know. And you know the worst part about season five feeling like filler? Mm. They did all of this to focus on the female and POC characters, and then they still couldn't do it. <laughs> yes, it is really the worst. Oh, my gosh. It's goofy. Mm-hmm. See? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Hmm. <laughs> Um, so then let's just talk about some, some highlights of season five, uh, some general things. So there's like a general, so if I had to pick maybe the main plot from season five, it's, it's once again, it's, it's about random shit that's going on in Fillory. So there's this person called the Dark King that they're trying to overthrow. And the Dark King is, uh, even though the Dark King is like a hero in Fillory because he saved the Fillorians from um, the these like evil magic creatures, but there's like a a pig man 
that comes to Julian as like the apocalypse is coming and the apocalypse is tied to this situation with the Dark King in Fillory. And so they, so everybody, so, you know, Julia and there and them are doing what they got to do on the earth side to stop the apocalypse. And Margot and Elliot are doing, you know, their stuff on the Fillory side to, to stop the dark King and the apocalypse. So all these machinations go on. And of course, um, the dark King is it like falls in love with Elliot I'm saying that is the question, but that's what happens. Yeah, that's weird as well. Like, they meet because, like, he's trying to... Essentially, like, Elliot and Alice go on, like, a little grief trip. hmm Because Alice does something crazy, as Alice tends to do. And Alice, like, tries to bring Quentin back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And instead, she just, like, brings his, like, shade back. Um, But she can't, like, reanimate his body and, like, make it a new one. So they're trying to fix it. So they go on, like, a little grief journey. And during this, like, little grief journey, this grief journey eventually, like, takes her to Fillory after she sends back after Alice sends back Quentin's shade, which I will say I did like Alice summoning Quentin's shade because it felt like a a mirror of an episode from earlier in the season where Quentin summons Alice's shade and they spend the day together Mm -hmm. when he's trying to get back Alice. So that was really nice. But they go on this grief trip, Alice and Elliot. And... They go to, like, the mountain, because apparently it's, like, you can, if you get to the top of this mountain in Fillory, and you drop, like, a note down it, it's, like, a mountain to the underworld, and so if you send a letter to, and Quentin is dead, so he's in the underworld, so so Alice will send him a letter, and he will presumably get this letter, and so on the way that, on the way up to this mountain, they meet this mysterious stranger, um, and, you know, he looks good. Like, he's very good-looking. Like, he definitely has, like, an energy. Also, I will... This show is not shit because they waste a Yatidi. I can never say her name. Oh, Yatidi Batide? Um, yeah. She comes yeah. in for literally an episode to do nothing. Yeah. I think she was still riding the wave of her appearance in American Gods, and they were like, a black woman! Who does fantasy? (laughs) (laughs) And it's really shameful because she's such a great actress. Mm -hmm. It's like having Yatiti, having her come on The Magicians to literally say two lines and leave in one episode is the equivalent to like having like... Scarlett Johansson, it's like the, it's the equivalent to having Scarlett Johansson show up in an episode and you, and she just says two lines and leaves. Like, it's ridiculous. You would never do that. She would have like a whole arc on the show. Like, you know what I mean? Cause it's fucking Scarlett Johansson. Right, right, right. Completely understand. Um, this, 
this last uh, season, besides feeling feeling like filler, I think it was like it feels like a death rattle. <laughs> And maybe that's the point, because I guess everybody's grieving Quentin. And so, right? But, like, still, it doesn't... But, like you said, it's filler, and it's annoying. And so, like, they meet this... Like, Elliot, they meet this... On the way to this mountain, this this guy who's, like, super hot. And he and Elliot are, like, having a moment. There's definitely, like... There's chemistry. There's sex... Sexy stuff happening. Not, like, sexy stuff, but, like, a sexy energy, definitively. Um, I did appreciate that. It's always awkward to watch. It's always nice to watch, like, same-sex people um, who are attracted to each other actually be attracted to each other and not, like, one straight actor really struggling, you know? Um, To, like, generate chemistry. So... There's lots of like, and it is, it's like very moody. It's very sexy. And so then they get to the top of this mountain and they throw in their letters or whatever. And then when they get down and this stranger helps them get to the top of this mountain. And then Alice and Elliot have a come to Jesus about this guy, about this boy that they both fucked. And, but at the end of it, they find out that like this sexy stranger that he had like a moment with is actually the dark king and the person that they've been trying that like that they need to find to kill uh and he's like the new head ruler of like fillery or whatever yeah so am i the only person that like legitimately hates fillery i liked fillery when it was first introduced in the second season and then i hated it third season going forward (laughs) I'm going to be real with you right now. And I'm going to say something that's very controversial, but I feel it's very true. And if I have to be the one, like if they want to make me the bad guy, I'll be the bad guy. Like Nikki said, (laughs) this show would have benefited by making Fillory a day trip and taking us back to break bills and dorm life and break bills and the school, uh, non-magical world balance of the break bill students give us a college show with some magic in it that's it it stopped being a college show and that's when it started to suck yeah like yeah i wouldn't now i wouldn't have minded fillery as like a season excursion right Mm -hmm. like if fillery just lasted the season like cool but then there needed to be some sort of like um, the door to Fillory is permanently closed and then, like, abide by that rule. You know what I mean? Agreed. 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 Because um, I, I do genuinely think it's exciting in that second season. But I'm also... But also, I guess, just because of, like, the scale of which they can do things, I'm not that impressed by Fillory, like, as a place. And I would say, like, a big part of that is, like, due to, like, the budget... So I would have just been cool with Fillory for, like, the season. I agree. I agree with that. Because beyond, like, the castle, like, Castle White Spire, like, we don't really, there are no, like, real, they don't really build out that Fillory world as well as they they attempt to. Like, there are no, um, like, marks, like, landmarks or, like, places to orient me 
for me to care about Fillory, if that makes sense. Agree. Agree. So, yeah. Um, other stuff that happens. So, so yeah. So, season five, we eventually find out that the Dark Knight is, like, causing, is essentially, like, going to cause the apocalypse because he keeps raising these, like, bad people so he can essentially get to, like, his old boyfriend that died. (sighs) Like, he's causing, he's essentially causing the apocalypse because, like, when he was on Earth, he was attracted to this boy and then the boy got killed because, like, they were, like, no gay shit in England in the 20s. We don't do that. And so he felt so he felt guilty that like he never he couldn't save his boyfriend and so now he's like he's essentially trying to raise the boyfriend from the dead to live in Fillory with him and he's like fucked like the earth and the underworld and Fillory in the process and um that sucks and everything like that's sad but like also go to therapy yes grief is a natural part of life i'm sorry your man's died and that was horrible and bigotry is super wrong but there's plenty of cute boys out here um you know five steps uh five stages and move on Mm -hmm. and and the worst part is like you were just with one You were yeah. just trying to give Elliot the business. So, like, it it's clearly, like, life goes on, sir. Right. If you were out here trying to throw it back for Elliot, life goes on, sir. It goes on. I mean, maybe the, the hoes didn't mean anything to him, right? Maybe that was just his one great love. <laughs> <laughs> He's just passing the time, and that's just, like, you know, grief hookups. <laughs> I mean, if you're having an existential breakdown over having kissed another man or, like, knowing or, like, feeling like you you didn't know that you could feel this way for another man ever again, I feel like that's moving on. I feel like, I feel like you should, that should have been, like, a light that went off of, like, damn, like, yeah, that was super sad and sucked and everything, but clearly I'm feeling other things. Yeah, I agree with that. And so... The series ends with Fillory being destroyed. Um, but destroying, but they, Fillory is destroyed, but they find another god to, like, make a new universe. Uh, a new, uh, uh, a new Fillory, if you will. Fillory 2.0. And we end with our our heroes... Margot, Elliot, Katie, Fen, Josh, all sort of, you know, hanging out in this brand new world that they've created and are, you know, exploring, exploring its its nooks and crevices and, and crannies. Meanwhile, Julia and Penny, Penny23 are on Earth with her brand new baby by Penny with some random, like, magic umbilical cord. 
right. they had to slice so she wouldn't die. Man, these magical um, pregnancies are really, really be sending me. Um, and this is like her second magical pregnancy because then she was pregnant with uh, Reynard's baby a couple seasons back. Um, Julia really be going through it. And I thought you guys wanted to, like the show to be like more feminist or whatever. So why the life-threatening pregnancy? Why could she just have a regular one? <laughs> right? I guess it's not dramatic enough. You gotta like tell story. I don't know. Like it, like you said, it's filler. It's not as bad as season four in regards to the material, but it's not as entertaining either. So that for me makes it demonstrably objectively bad. I would, yeah, I would give season five a a great, my, a bad grade as well. I'm, I would definitively say it's bad. Um, just cause I don't know. It feels so directionless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like Elliot hooks up with like the random person monster that was living in his head at the end. Yeah, and yeah. Still... The monster that like took him over like at the end of season four. <laughs> and it's not like the monster that took him over. It's like I guess it's the first person that the monster took over, like the prince or whatever. But I'm just like, but then I'm still here. Like, why do people like Elliot? <laughs> right, Elliot literally made no growth as a character, which again was another failed opportunity. Like he's, he stops like drinking, he's still a but I, color, and he's still queer and he's not a good person. Like these things don't make him a good person by default. <laughs> right. Like he stops drinking, but I don't know that he becomes less selfish. Which actually is worse because at least we could blame the liquor before. <laughs> Like at least before we could blame the liquor. <laughs> I mean, he certainly doesn't become a better friend to Margot, which I mean, Margot deserved. Um, he doesn't become like a I don't know. He just kind of yeah, like Elliot just kind of stays the same to me throughout the run. Right. But you know what? I will say, Elliot. You know what Elliot is though? Elliot is Sookie Stackhouse. He is the Sookie Stackhouse of the show. So progress. Was he was Suki that mean? Suki was never that mean, but in terms of like, so, uh, I mean, she but, caused much damage, but it's because she was stupid. But she wasn't as mean, and she wasn't as smart as Elliot. But I will say, like, he is the Suki Stackhouse in the sense of like, I guess his dick is just golden because everybody wants to jump on it, like, right. In the same way that I guess Suki's pussy was golden because everybody just wants to get in there. Um, for a reason that I, I can't, I certainly cannot discern. Uh, he, everybody loves him. I mean, like, yeah, everybody runs to save Elliot every time that Elliot is saving. Yeah, which is weird to me. I mean, I, I, I like that he's getting the treatment of a basic white woman, but it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I guess in that, like, progress. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so weird calling it that, that even though high key it is. <laughs> I feel like I'm betraying myself by admitting that. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. Um, uh, um, yeah, season five. If you do plan on watching the show, you can skip right over season five. It's fine. 
you don't need it. You can go straight to, you can watch the season four series finale and then go straight to the season five series finale. Yeah, I would say uh, season five, episode one, and maybe two, and then uh, season five, episode 13. That's all that you need to watch. That's all you need to watch. You will not have missed anything, I promise. So overall, The Magicians is, uh, it's better than a lot of people at their best. And like I think we've said throughout the episode, like when you don't think think on it that deep, The Magicians is mad enjoyable. Like a lot of the twists and turns and stuff are fun. I just, it's not a show you you need to think about. You just need to watch it and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I want to talk about something else too really briefly. I I know I've been dragging the writing and I feel like I have a right to, but I don't think this inherently means that the writers on The Magicians were bad writers. I think there were way too many ideals. Uh, They were not fully formed. And ultimately, The Magicians suffered from being too cluttered from a thematic perspective. Right. I will say, and I agree with you, and I will say, I think one of the big differences for me between looking at Sarah Gamble's work between um, The Magicians and you is that Sarah Gamble is, and I think this is for any writer, but she's better when she narrows her focus on one singular idea. Because that's what you is about, right? You is... Mm -hmm the magicians had a lot of ideas about a lot of different things. And that's ultimately, I think where it fails. Whereas you is successful because it is, it's singular. It's interrogating one singular idea and doing that for an entire season. And therefore she's able to like nail a lot of these ideas um, because she's completely narrowed her focus. It's like, we're going to talk about how like, men are not shit like all how men are like fucking creepy right um you lends a lot of nuance to our lead who is according to the magicians a basic white man <laughs> <laughs> but, but joe is lent a lot of nuance and so are his love interests and the people in their periphery even a character like peach was explored to a level that elevated the plot um and you know drove the plot as a whole um and the magician just simply doesn't do that it doesn't and i i definitively think and listen i think i will also say that i think and i think i said this last episode as well magicians had if magicians had been um had like 22 episodes like a wb show or like a, a regular network Instead of cable, like sci-fi, I think it would have been better executed because it would have had more time Mm. to plot these ideas and arcs of of these characters. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, You guys know how I feel about reboots, and I've made exceptions, but unfortunately, The Magicians is not an exception. Um, There's a laundry list of things that went wrong with the show where I'm sure at least half of them would probably show up in a reboot, and I don't want it. Thank you. Same. I don't think The Magicians needs a reboot. I do think The Magicians is a great, like, um, blueprint uh, to look at if you're wanting to make another magic college show 
which I definitely would would be interested in. Honestly, I just want to show like Felicity or Greek or even the best years. Actually, that would be really cool with the best years with magic. Like, show me kids actually going to a university that we know of or a quote unquote non magical university, but there's like a subset of magicians, uh, witches, and wizards in their midst. Show me what the college experience is like when you have powers. Give me, uh, give me the the true Harry Potter treatment of things are going on at Break Bills, not some other realm. At Break Bills, there's a magical university. We're dealing with dorm life. There's someone like I don't know, uh, Lord Voldemort out here killing folks. But in between that, we're hooking up. We're throwing ragers. It's it's lit. <laughs> right. Same. Um. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. Give me just a magic college show with a magical camp and. Um, Because I think that was also one of the missed opportunities that made me sad when we left break bills to really never return again um, until the final season, which we already talked about how that's filler. Like, we never got to see, like, all the magical parts of the campus or, like, how, like... I still feel like the place is foreign to us even after five years. Yeah. Like, I agree with that. Like, we never, in in the way that, like, Harry, like, Hogwarts as a building is so interestingly intricate and magical, we don't get that treatment with uh, Break Bills. And that was right. very, that seemed like a real lost opportunity. For sure. One of the things that Harry Potter does right, very subtly, very well, um, is basically make the school a peripheral character. Right. And that doesn't happen here. It's just a place that they be chilling at sometimes. I couldn't tell you like what the school looks like. So from movie to movie, even though like the Harry Potter movies all have different directors, there is a, there's this feeling of familiarity in the set like the camera could be focused on the characters faces and you still have a, a general sense of even where they're walking to. Right. Yeah. 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 And that matters definitively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But hey. Um, uh, okay, what were you gonna it, say? I said it it is what it is. Um, they didn't have a big budget. Um, they had some great writers who kind of fumbled the ball often. Um, obviously, like you said many times and it bears repeating, um the the white liberal guilt reared its ugly head, but when it came to cinematography and casting, the magicians did what needed to be done. Oh yeah, I think the I think a lot of these actors are flawless. I really enjoyed Arjun Gupta, who had I'd only seen before on like How to Get Away with Murder very briefly, and he doesn't get a lot there, but he gets a lot here, and he's really great. He's super hot, like. You should cast him again in things. Um, I enjoyed Summer Bischel for with what what she did a lot with what little she was given. Um, I always enjoy that actor who plays Quentin. He's always a good time. Um, he also does, like I said, villainy very well. You can see him be a villain really on like younger. Um, he has like a sort of villainy turn. Uh, and he then, <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, like this cast is great. The I like the girl who plays Julia. She's really familiar to me. And I really liked that actress who played Katie. Um, she, white women don't do like grit well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't really believe it. But that Katie, that actress who played Katie really sold sold her grit, which um, I think is is unique. Because like I said, they don't, white women don't really do grit well. Yeah, the actress is uh, Latina, um, or one of her parents is, and mm. I, I'm, I'm sure they thought that this was diverse, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and uh, the actress who plays uh, Julia, she's one of my favorites. She's actually the reason I started watching The Magicians. I didn't recognize anyone on The Magicians, and shout out to casting fresh new faces and not recycling the people we see all the time. I didn't, she was the only person from the initial cast that I recognized. And it's from an indie film that she did called Starlet. She was a supporting character in that film and she played a porn actress. It's a really great film and she does a really good job. She was also in another uh, indie drama that I love called Remember the Days where she's just like a high school student. And the movie takes place on the last, the last day of high school for a group of seniors. she does indie really, really well. And I think a lot of white women could stand to do that. Like, you know, get their, their teeth, get, get their feet wet and, and, and cut their teeth on a series of indie dramas and really just learn to be an actress rather than just depending on their parents to be, to leverage star power. have it folks this is everything that we think made the the back half of the magicians good bad basic and very magical if you'd like to check out the series the magicians is currently streaming on netflix if you've enjoyed this episode of the good the bad the basic be sure to share with your friends if you're a patron on our patreon be sure to check out our the magicians playlist tune in next week as we keep our off to college season going with a discussion on abc family's hit college comedy drama greek If you'd like to check out the series, Greek is currently streaming on Hulu, Sling, and YouTube Premium, as well as for free on Freeform and Amazon Prime. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, the Bad, the Basic is streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune into our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at the Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron over on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.